Welcome to the Hey Salespeople podcast, where we focus on delivering immediately actionable best practices for sales professionals. I'm your host, Jeremy Donovan from SalesLoft. Hey, salespeople, it is my great pleasure to welcome Juan Carlos Otero to the show. Welcome. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me, Jeremy. I know you go by JC, so is that okay if I call you JC? Yeah, it's a lot shorter. <laughs> All right, sweet. So uh, JC is the manager of sales development over at Informatica, and JC and I were going back and forth on topics, and I'm staring at his LinkedIn profile, and the dude has a ton of side hustles, but they're not ordinary side hustles. They are all very, very giving side hustles. So, you know, I could feel the hairs on my neck standing up in uh, sort of admiration, I think is the best way to put it. So I think we're going to, well, not I think, I know we're going to talk a lot about how do you get back as a sales professional, as a busy sales professional, as a sales leader, and how do you juggle that passion to give with the need to uh, earn a paycheck? Before we do that, uh, I'm going to ask you the same question I ask everybody, which is what is one of your favorite sales books of all time and maybe one or two of the key takeaways? Oh, yeah, for sure, Jeremy. I'm a big reader. One of the few books that I recommend to anybody to read, but especially people that are creating a, a career in sales, is um, How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. And so I was introduced to that book when I was uh, about 19, and it was by one of my first mentors. And that book has forever like changed my life, especially at that age. Because whether you're in sales or any other type of career, it's all about maintaining relationships and interacting with people. And through that book, what it does, for those of you not familiar with it, was Del Carnegie did tons of research in the early 1900s, real-world application of working with people around public speaking and leadership. And he found these guiding principles of how to interact effectively with strangers and build those strong relationships. And so that book was so impactful for me that it influenced everything. And after reading it, I made a commitment to be a trainer. And I actually became a trainer in the summer of 2019. And I believe in it so much because it changes everything. Like for example, you know, sometimes there's people, especially in sales, that they're just a natural. And you're just like, oh my God, they're just a natural. Well, they may have just figured it out subconsciously or through their own environment. But through a book like How to Win Friends and Influence People, it really outlines through storytelling why these principles are so important. Like, for example, one of my favorite principles is number five, which is smile. It's just such a simple thing, but people aren't aware of the impact that it has on the other individual. You're more welcoming. They're more open to listening to you. Even over the phone, you can tell when someone's smiling or not. It makes it just such a more positive interaction. And so it's that type of book that, especially in sales, it can just change the way that you interact, not only with your prospects and customers, but also that extended team that you're working with, which it really takes everybody in a coordinated effort to work towards a common goal. So that's the one book, I'd say. Soon after reading the book, I basically walked around the office with a smile on my face all the time. And my manager said, you know, why are you smiling all the time? He probably was trying to coach me to not do it constantly. What advice would you give? Did I, did I take that to the extreme? Well, a big part of it is being authentic. Some people are like that. Some people get turned off by that. But if that person's being authentic and that's how they are, then that's how they are. And they're just like enthused by life. Like me personally, I want to know why that person's so happy. It's contagious. So like one of the, I'm real big on quotes and, you know, just philosophies with my team. And, you know, one of them I have is like attitudes are contagious. Like if you're smiling, people are going to want to interact with you. And then they're asking you for help and you're enthusiastic and you're like really like about it then that's you. And that has a completely different thing. So come back to authenticity, I think. You know, we were also talking before we press record about in this moment that we are in, in the country and in the world about sort of having more people of color in leadership roles and so on. 
for the people who are listening, because you can't see JC, he is of Mexican heritage. So uh, born in the US, but I think your parents were born in Mexico. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. So yeah, just, I mean, love to get sort of, you know, a little bit of your experience and your perspectives and advice to help people that are listening. You know, I've had a very fortunate to have people surrounded with me, like growing up, like I grew up single mother, right? Like my biological father was, wasn't around, but I grew up with her and then my aunt as well. And then I had my uncle, like as my father. So I had this really supportive network of people that really made sure that I was developing right and doing the right things, getting the best education. And so I think at the foundation is having that support network. So if you don't have someone guiding you at the earliest ages of your life, whether because your parents are working full time or your parents aren't around or for whatever reason, that's going to have a huge impact on your development. Like for example, my wife and I right now, we're going through the foster to adopt process. And so we've been getting a lot of training and, you know, we're going to be taking in some kids that probably come from really challenging environments and depending at what age they're at, that's going to have adverse effects into the future, right? And so I've never used, like, tried to never use my race as, like, a cop-out or an excuse just because that's the way I was raised. We do our best to work as hard as we can. So you have the support network. And then the other component from my own experience, too, is education. Like, my uncle was such a huge proponent for education that he made every effort to make sure I got the best education possible. He made sure I went to private school because if you can educate back to the Latin meaning or Greek, whatever it is, is like to develop within. And so I was taught and raised as a young child on how to develop within and become a problem solver and figure things out while in that supportive network. Yeah, well, it's very much that it takes a village to raise a child effectively. When did the volunteerism and sort of giving back bug first bite you? I think where the big turning point was when I first started working professionally at Wells Fargo Financial back in 2007. What I quickly realized there, because I was doing debt consolidation for people with subprime credit, and a big part of the reason is one, lack of financial literacy, and then also not being aware of their spending habits or financial habits, right? And so I was like, okay, well, what can I do about it? And so I was like, I need to teach financial literacy. So then I started asking questions. And so... By asking through those questions, I then found out that Wells Fargo had a hands-on banking program, so a curriculum already put together because I wasn't a teacher. And so I studied up on the curriculum. I was like, this is awesome. Like, I can teach kids how to balance a checkbook and debits and credits and, you know, write checks and know how to navigate a bank. This is awesome. Calculate interest. I'm going to do it. And then so then I asked myself, like, well, how do I get in touch with kids? Like, how do I teach a class? So I started doing research and I found after school programs and I found this one group called Citizen Schools, which they're based out of Boston and have networks all over the country. I think they're still around. I don't know. This was back in 2007 or eight. And so I reached out to them. I was like, hey, I work for Wells Fargo. I have this curriculum to teach financial literacy for like middle school kids. You know, I want to get into one of y'all's programs. The timing was right. I went to an orientation. I was like, sign me up. I had a class of 17 kids. And you mentioned earlier, this was in an at-risk, low-income a high minority area of Austin. So I have this class of 17. I've never taught before, you know, and so I started recruiting some of my friends. Like I recruited one of my friends who's also Hispanic and was working in banking. And then, man, those first few classes were brutal. Like I almost wanted to walk out. Like I had no training. And, and so I learned so much. But the most amazing thing about that experience was that at the end of the program, we had this big event and we made this game of Jeopardy where we're asking questions and the kids are answering, oh, that's debit, that's credit. You use your, you know, your ledger and you do this and this is calculating interest. And, you know, the final one was like, you got to fill out this check. Right. And it was just so great seeing these kids get it. And so that's where my bug came from. Cause it's like, oh my God, I can like be a professional 
and then I can leverage whatever resources I have available. I did all that with no money because I asked the right questions to find it. And then from there, the next experience was just even bigger. So fast forward a few years, I started working at Dell and they were giving out grants. And this one organization I was familiar with got a grant called Latinitas. And I was like, I know them. They empower young girls of color through media and technology. I'm going to sign up to be their charity champion. And as their champion, I was responsible to get Dell employees involved with Latinitas. So I got all types of creative. I found out that there was an employee resource group focused around the Latin community, the Hispanic community. So I reached out to them and worked with their executive leadership to get this organization as their official sponsor, which resulted in more money, more volunteer hours. So I, I helped introduce a day at Dell where we had about you know 15 high schoolers come to Dell and we had like round tables with executives that were of color and women too, right? To set those examples because they didn't have access to them. You know, and then we eventually introduced remote mentorship to after school programs because we gave them laptops, right? And so just from there, these projects just kept getting bigger and bigger to where then like once I left Dell, I got connected to the Hispanic Chamber of Commerce because some of the other things I did too is I taught entrepreneurship from a social innovation aspect. And so they reached out to me to help them roll out their high school entrepreneurship competition, which still goes on to this day, five or six years later. The biggest thing that I'm working on right now, you know, given my schedule, is I helped found one of the largest organizations in Kenya to empower the deaf population there, which is completely underserved, right? And that organization has been around right now. And we've done so many great initiatives with them that the latest one we're doing right now is around COVID and educating the deaf population on, you know, better uh, sanitary practices, getting them supplies, getting them meals, right? And so I'm doing that right now from the other side of the planet. It just comes down to being like, what is out there? And what kind of, and just ask yourself, what can I do about it? And then just do your first thing and then get started. If someone said, hey, you know, I wish I volunteered more, what advice would you give them? You know, the first thing that I, I say to that is like, what are you passionate about? You know, there's people out there that are focused on cleaner water or maybe better access to this or education. When I like, if you aren't aware of that, like definitely self-reflection, right? Like recognizing like what's most important to you could be anything, right? Like I got friends that are like into animals, right? Like I don't go volunteer at an animal shelter. That's great, but that's not what I'm about. That doesn't get me fired up as much as like creating a entrepreneurial program for kids to teach them how to start businesses. Like that gets me fired up. But that doesn't mean it's going to get you fired up. So the first thing is just to figure out like what's important. Like, for example, your son, you mentioned he's into politics, right? I'm into politics to a degree too. And so one of my friends, he had this idea. He's like, you know, we got to fight big money in politics. You know, I'm tired of big corporations and donors influencing what politicians are doing. And so he had this idea of, of creating a mobile app that would round up people's change from their transactions that could then go to any campaign. And so I was like, you know what, man, I think that's a huge thing. I'm going to help you with that. And so since September 2018, we've been working on an app and we just launched it on Android and we launched it in Apple back in um, December. And the idea is, is that now people can download the app, pick which candidates that they want and round up their change. So now they don't have to do like a $50 donation. They could do $5 at a time. That's a lot more digestible and easy for a lot of the population to do. And so that's like a simple question is like, he is passionate about politics. I was. What do we want to do about it? And then just doing something about it. And so just an example of how an impact of one person can make on the world. Okay. So when I was at Dell, Dell used to have this social innovation competition. And I was a sales rep at Dell, so I was still doing well there, right? But I was doing more. And so then I volunteered to be a coach at this competition. 
I was paired up with this individual. He was a graduate student at the world's premier deaf university in Washington, D.C., Gallaudet. And uh, he had this idea to get rainwater collection for his people back in Kenya. And so I got to know, I was like, oh man, this is a worthy cause. Like I take it for granted that I have water here. Let me help you out. So we created all this stuff. Um, We didn't win the competition. We got to the semifinals, no money, no nothing. I was like, I can't leave this guy hanging. Like he needs some help. I don't know how to do this, but I'm going to help him because I, it's all about asking questions. Anyways, over the course of a year, we ended up working together and we got like 17 rainwater collection tanks for his community in Kenya. And then from there, he's like, you know, my people back there are like unemployed and don't have jobs. I have this idea to get them beehives. I was like, well, how much are beehives? So then we created this entrepreneurial program to then get them beehives. And then, and this is where it gets really awesome, is that that one individual, I then helped him create the Deaf Empowerment Society of Kenya, which now caters to thousands of deaf people all over Kenya. We teach them how to start businesses. We have an entrepreneurial program that we partner with the U.S. Aid, United Nations, and the Kenyan government. We do um, translating services to educate families that have deaf family members, you know, all types of services. And that's just from one individual that I help that's now benefiting thousands on the other side of the world. Uh, that's the one thing I tell people, don't discredit like the impact that you can make because then that can then just have a butterfly effect into just everything else. And we all have to do our own part. I think there's no harm in this is that so often people get inspired into volunteer work because a friend or a family member was affected in some way by you know something that needed to be addressed. Even for me specifically, uh, one of my kids is trans. And I saw what was out there in the world and realized that my wife and family need to be an advocate for him, right? So that got me into the work. I'm wondering on the deaf people in Kenya, do you have like a friend, a family member? No, it's just I just met this person. He signed up for this competition to get rainwater tanks for his people. I was like, let's get some rainwater tanks. Then we got some beehives. And he's like, you know, my people back home. And that's why he came to university here was to get better educated so he could go back there and be a leader. As I hear all this, I'm wondering, do you ever feel that you're stretched too thin, right? You seem to be someone who, when someone uh, asks to help people in need, you say yes. Is there a point where you're stretched so thin that you just can't say yes to the next thing? What it kind of comes down to is we only have so many hours in the day. And you know, I heard this really great phrase on this video. I watch a lot of videos on YouTube and they say, you have 24 hours every day to make or break your life. And we all have the same hours. Like you mentioned Bill Gates a few times. He's only have 24 hours today. Oprah Winfrey's got 24. Everyone's got 24 hours, whoever it is. And it's how we use those 24 hours. It's almost in our complete control. Yes, we have to sleep a certain number of hours, right? We got to eat and do all those things. But I refuse to buy a video game system. I mean, I love playing video games, but I refuse to buy a system because I know that that's going to take so many hours out of my life every week when I could be doing other things writing a book, helping an organization, volunteering, spending time with my friends or family. Everything has a trade-off. How I learned that is I had cancer when I was 19. And one of my mentors introduced me to time management at that time. And ever since that experience, I realized that, you know, life is fleeting and I only have so much time. And when I pass, I want people to speak well of me, that I was somebody that helped them, somebody that made their life better, something that, you know, essentially left the world a better place. And I decide to spend my time differently than other people. Uh, Of course, I still like do things like I binge on some shows, but it's still 
allows me to, because of the discipline, it's like, okay, I got to get this done. I'm going to do it. And so it, it's kind of just one thing you get figured out in time and I get burned out. And there are times where I don't do anything for months or weeks, but I still get back at it because that's like my, my passion and what I like doing is making a difference. Even at work, you know, everything makes you right. And what I tell my reps, especially right now, I mean, we work in one of the most challenging environments in like history. We just had like our best quarter, like our small unit. Right. And it all comes down to like our perspective, our mindset. And that's like the key thing that we control is, you know, nothing's neither good or bad. It's our perspective on it. How can people get a hold of you if they want to find out about organizations that you're involved in, like Desk and others? What's the best way for them to do that? Uh, yeah, I mean, for sure. I mean, um, welcome any like LinkedIn connections. So you can just find me on LinkedIn, uh, Juan Carlos Otero, or JC Otero. I think I'm at the top results there. But my email is jc.otero, O-T-E-R-O, dot A-T-X, at gmail.com. You know, I'm real big on the law of attraction is that if you're really like in line with what you're about and what, you know, lights you up, you'll be attracted to those opportunities. And as those opportunities come up, you just have to seize them and then have faith that it's going to take you in the right direction, wherever it is. Awesome. Awesome. Well, JC, thank you so much for what you do. And thanks for being on the podcast. Awesome. Thanks so much, Jeremy. Hope you have a great rest of the day. Take care. Hey, Salespeople is a production made in partnership with Frequency Media. I'm your host, Jeremy Donovan. Paige McCauley is our producer. The podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else podcasts are found. Thanks for listening to the Hey Salespeople podcast.